Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I am your host, Tyler Callahan, and we got news all across the board today. So let's start with some box office numbers. So we'll start with the domestic top five for the weekend. Staying in first place is The Honest Thief with 2.35 million for a total of 7.5 million. In second place is The War with Grandpa with 1.88 million for a total of 9.7 million. In third place is Tenant with 1.3 million for a total of 52.5 million. Opening in fourth place is The Empty Man with 1.26 million. Finally, in fifth place is Nightmare Before Christmas, the re-release, with 577,000. So looking at these numbers, uh, the reopen of most of New York State did not do much to boost the numbers, at least initially. This would make sense, as New York City is what really needs to be open. Uh, but then again, New York State is set to 25% capacity per screening, which is not a lot. As for the actual movies, the empty man did open terribly, but that's also not surprising. Take away the bad reviews, this movie got its first trailer last week. That's right, the marketing for this movie started one week ago. Uh, so clearly Disney is not looking to spend any money on a Fox movie, even though that studio did not care for either. So between a complete lack of advertising plus a pandemic, no wonder it had a terrible opening. Uh, the rest of the movies held fine compared to their uh, last week's numbers. Going to China, they got another new big release this weekend with The Sacrifice. This is a movie about the Chinese army's perspective during the Korean War. It's also an interesting movie because it was co-directed by three directors, including Guan Ho, who just directed the, directed the 800. The movie opened to 53 million for the weekend, which is good. Again, there's no massive holiday to give it a big boost, and it's expected to end up around 225 million, which would make it another solid release for the Chinese market. Coming up for a release in China is a movie everyone has been waiting for. That's right, the reboot of Hellboy will be coming to China on November 9th. Why? I have no fucking idea. I take it Lionsgate wants to make a few extra million to reduce the amount the movie lost, which I get. However, I'm, I'm still dumbfounded by the move. The movie's been out for over a year and a half now, and if people in China wanted to see it, I'm sure they could have found a good stream by now. But look, I get it, they want to recoup their losses, this is their chance, sure. Looking toward next year for the Chinese film industry, Tencent announced one of the bigger movies for 2021, which is 1921. The movie is about the founding of Chinese Communist Party and is set for a release on July 1st, exactly 100 years since the formation. Apparently one of the requests from the Shanghai Municipal Propaganda Bureau was that there be 100 celebrities that appear in the movie. The producers thought it would be impossible, but they were able to. So expect the movie to feature an insane, star-studded cast of young and old celebrities, though with 100 people, at a minimum, that have to appear. I would expect a lot of cameo appearances. As for the producers thinking it would be impossible, please, please, come on. As soon as you ask someone to appear in this movie, they are going to say yes. It's about the formation of the CCP. If you say less, yes, it looks good for you, and while you can say no, that could reduce their opportunities down the road. Less TV shows to go on. Less movies you're being invited to or cast in. So, yeah, I'm not that surprised. You know, th the article I read also went in detail how, like, oh, yeah, no, they're very accommodating to move, move around their schedule so they can film their scenes. Like, yeah, that's not surprising. But I am curious how this will do because I'm not sure if it's a more political movie. I don't know how huge of a number it would do. Uh, but if there's a bit of an action in there, then definitely. And... The 100 celebrity requirement should definitely 
definitely bring people in. From last week, we go back to Japan. Demon Slayer is slaying the box office still. Weekend to weekend, the movie only drops 16%. God damn. And made 37 million for a total of 102.5 million. These numbers are insane, and at this point, it looks like it will finish in the top 10 worldwide for the year. Looking back at 2020's top 10, it will be one for the history books to have a Chinese movie number one and have an anime movie be in the top 10 as well. I'll definitely keep an eye on this movie and keep you updated on how it performs. So while Asia is going strong, Europe's second wave has now started to close down theaters again. Italy has announced to reduce the spread, they will start locking down, which includes theaters. France has announced a nationwide lockdown besides school and work until December, so assume theaters will be closed there as well. Spain right now is doing a curfew from 11pm to 6am, so while it really does not affect theaters just yet, it could evolve into a lockdown. I think all this shows is if you were hoping Wonder Woman would still come out on Christmas thinking, well, you know, Asia and Europe can help make some money back, yeah, yeah, yeah. no. With American theaters slowly recovering and Europe shutting back down, Warner Brothers is not going to release it in just China, for example, and only get 25% of the cut. It will be moved to next March or June. Moving over to films currently in production, Jurassic World Dominion has resumed filming with the cast after a few COVID cases shut down film production. With the film moved to June 2022, they have more than enough time to finish filming and post-production. I know it's too late, but maybe they could use this time to make a better script because Fallen Kingdom was trash. Marvel Studios is also busy with Chang-Chi, having just finished filming. For Phase 4 films, this means Black Widow is ready to go, Shang-Chi is now on to post-production, and Sony has just started filming Spider-Man 3. The Meg 2 looks like it will be happening as they have now gotten out of director. Warner Brothers has hired Ben Wheatley to direct the sequel, and Jason Statham will come back to reprise his role. Currently, the script is in the drafting phase, so no set release date has been announced. It's been a while, but we have a busy VOD premium for this week. First off, Scarlett Johansson has signed on as the title role in Bride, which is a new take on the Bride Frankenstein's character. The director for the film is Sebastian Lieto and is a co-production of A24 and Apple. Besides that, details are light, such as if this will get a theatrical release and when it would be coming out. As for the idea of the movie itself, I think it could be good. New takes on old characters have worked well for The Invisible Man, and it's gotten Ryan Gosling to do a Wolfman movie, so clearly there's something here as well. Next up is AT&T and Warner Media with their HBO Max streaming service and new numbers for their quarterly earnings. In total, between HBO and HBO Max, the service is at 38 million subscribers and is now past the 36 million subscribers they were hoping to get by the end of the year. However, the real number of HBO Max subscribers is around 8.6 million, which is subscribers who activated the service or signed on. Remember, the big issue for the company right now is to convert as many people as they can from HBO to using HBO Max especially since a lot of them have it for free. They have it for free, but they haven't used it yet. What I found interesting in the earnings was that WarnerMedia is on track to launch an ad-supported tier of HBO Max sometime in 2021. Now, I think that's a good idea, depending on the price, but I think they also have to be careful not devaluing the high-end brand of HBO itself too much. I've also read reports that they are planning for a big movie to drop on Christmas Day for the service, but have not said what it is yet. Looking at the numbers themselves, it's fine, I guess. Look, they have no headline series to get people to sign up. The most people talk about the service is when a show on HBO premieres, like Lovecraft Country, which is good, but no one talks about, oh man, you see that show on HBO Max? They don't. Then there's also the serious fact that right now, HBO Max is still only in the United States. If I lived in Spain, if I lived in South America, I can't use it. If I was running it, I'd seriously focus on converting everyone to the service and get those numbers up for this year, for the rest of the year. The next year, focus on international expansion, 
and with actual exclusive content like Zack Snyder's Justice League, let people know the only way you can see it on the service and get more people to join. So the final story is a bit of a wild one. Over the weekend, reports came out that streaming services were talking to MGM about buying No Time to Die. That evolved to Apple and Netflix being the ones who were talking to them, and that the asking price was at least $600 million. Apple offered $300 million for a one-year exclusivity of the film, but that was turned down. After all of this, the Bond producer stopped the negotiations and right now is still focused on a theatrical release. I was surprised by the news because I did not think something like this would happen so fast, but it does make sense. Apple, at least, has no big movie for the holidays, while Amazon, Disney, and now HBO Max do. Personally, I do not think Apple would have bought the rights for just no time to die anyway. It would be either all the Bond movies for a year, or, like I've predicted, buy out the studio completely. Remember, there was a report the hedge fund behind MGM is is looking for a sale of the studio, and the idea was that no time to die being delayed can be a good thing because you can use that as an asset. That goes away though if you sell, like, let's say, you know, they sold no time to die to Amazon for a year. Well, that asset's gone and devalues the studio, so if Apple wanted to buy the studio, they get it at a lower price. Right now, I do not think the movie will be sold, at least not by itself. Even take away the studio selling it all, the entire collection of Bond movies is something that has not been available on the streaming service yet. Yes, there have been some offered here and there, but not all of them in one location. I can't just go on Netflix or HBO and watch all the Bond movies start to finish. Yeah, I can watch maybe Casino Royale, I can watch Skyfall, you know, maybe an old classic, but that's it. So my prediction, based on the recent news, since I love to make them, is option one, MGM gets bought by Apple and includes No Time to Die. Universal will take over domestic release for the movie in theaters and then head to Apple TV+. In the meantime, Apple will have the rest of the Bond movies available for streaming on the service. Option two, No Time to Die, along with the rest of the Bond movies, will go to a streaming service for a timed exclusivity. If this happens, I expect Apple first, then Amazon. Netflix is done paying with paying high prices for a limited exclusivity. They focus on owning all their content now. And I saw in the Deadline article that they were also considering PVOD, but I doubt that as it's too risky. With a streaming deal, you get that fat check up front. With PVOD, you're hoping enough people pay $30 to make a profit. I'll definitely be following the story now that actual conversations took place. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Question for the week is, how much do you think no time that I should go for? Let me know on Facebook. A link to it is in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.